Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Jim, mother, can you hear me whining? It's welcome, welcome, welcome to the Gene, Otto, and Jeffrey Show. Coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at jwright929espn. Dennis Fuller's producer of the program for us. Glad he is with us. Sitting across from me is the Christian Peel's lead sports columnist, the lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. Top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee. Barely. Tied for eighth best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter at MGNato. Mark, good day, sir. It's an excellent day. It's the day John Morant returns to the lineup for the Memphis Grizzlies. Presumably. Oh, come on. He's coming back. There's still time. No, it's, uh, what is it, 17 days later? They should make a movie. So it was on, it was on. March 4th. Yes. Well, technically, yes, it was the morning of March 4th. Saturday, March 4th. Depending on time zones, yes. Excuse me, 18 days later. Mm. 18 days later, um, John Morant, and really 15, excuse me, 19 days later, because he played on, the third, I think, um, March third. He did play. He played Friday, March third. Yes. So, nineteen days later, John Morant returns to an NBA basketball court tonight in Memphis, Tennessee, at what FedEx. Will we Forum. tell our kids. <laughs> well, there are some people who are talking like that. The, the The coverage has gotten, you know, over those nineteen days. It's. I'm not saying it's the most overbearing coverage of a sporting uh, event. Or situation that I've seen, but it's not not over. It hasn't not been overbearing at times. No, I think that's fair. I also think it's breathless kinda- coverage of like John ja Morant's twenty three year old crisis of going to the club too much. I think there's. It's also though a larger societal problem in that we amplify what used to be fringe, mm-hmm. and so now we don't really. We don't really differentiate between like what is the consensus opinion. Yeah. It's what tracks the best and usually the most outlandish stuff tracks the best. Like for those out there that still get upset, like it blows my mind in the year 2023 of our Lord that people still get upset with Skip Bayless. It's like <laughs> we have a proven track record. Yes. This is what he does. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh that's why he's so good, Jeffrey. He he reels you in even when you don't want to when you don't want to be caught. I mean, he is 
the sports he, Howard Stern. Well, he's per the the problem with Skip Bayless is, you know, he doesn't believe most of the stuff he's saying. He's just doing it because well, he, like, I don't he believe- realizes he can make money saying it, and that's what makes it like disingenuous and really, you know, at times um, over the line. Um, but do you think Howard Stern really wanted to interview porn stars in the nineties? <sighs> like, in the end, like, and by the way, I'm not pointing the finger. Mm-hmm. My deal is they're both shock jocks. Yeah, no, it's. That's uh, that's what it is, and and John Morant has now and Stern like to me like the other thing is like Stern's staying power was his ability to interview people and mm-hmm. to like get stuff out of celebrities. Where Skip does not actually get credit, he does have like an encyclopedia memory, mm. and he can make all of these connections and does it like on the fly. Yeah, sure. Um, but John Morant is now in his ecosystem for good. Like remember Skip for a while there. Was like a you know Grizz fan like because it was count it was his Memphis Grizzlies yeah it was it was it was against the grain to be like a big Grizzlies person and he was in on it early you know well and they they talked to LeBron yes they that's gave true. it to LeBron like it's yeah, the, it's the enemy of my enemies it all but, it always yeah. comes back to that um, and now but now John Moran he's in that ecosystem for a while you know like everything he does is going to get debated and dissected and we saw it I mean yesterday I mean you had. You know, the New York Times was here and ESPN was here just to, you know, I, I hear watched, what he had to say. I was in between shows. I was watching SportsCenter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tim McMahon had a live hit from FedEx Forum. Yeah. No, Look, this is a big deal tonight, him coming back. And again, you know, we're uh, not the most overbearing coverage I've seen, but we're getting there. You know, we're, we're, we're working on if this can if this continues beyond tonight, his return and not, like, kind of pause for a second before the playoffs, then it's going to be like, oh, my gosh, when is this going to end? I'm trying to – and if you tweet at me. You can tweet at me, at jwright 929 ESPN or at I think it's entirely possible it's the most overbearing covered Memphis Grizzlies story. Like, I don't remember anything like this. Yeah. I mean, we've never had a basketball player like this. So, uh, this popular. Um we had a guy punch another player on a team plane over a card game, mm-hmm. and it wasn't even really reported. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a different uh, different moment in franchise history, and in honor of that, uh, our, today's buy sell sure to go to Reddit is going to be John Morant and Grizzlies focused ahead of tonight's game against the Rockets. Seven o'clock tip, right here on ninety two nine FM ESPN pregame at six thirty. Um, David Cobb is going to join us later this hour at 2.40 or so. We'll talk NCAA tournament, Memphis basketball, uh, off-season transfer portal maybe a little bit with him um, later this hour. Uh, 3 o'clock or so, we will get into the list. Um, Paul George injured. Zion Williamson finally got a good update. Um, also got to talk about – I'm really – now that I've noticed it, I didn't. I think I can't. I noticed it late, but now that I've noticed this story, Cam Newton showing mm. up at Auburn Pro Day, I'm I'm interested in it with his younger brother. Yes, um, he was being selfless for his younger brother Jeffrey, but he just wanted to make sure everyone knew that there ain't 32 damn quarterbacks who are better than him right now. That was I. I was it? We'll, damn, we'll dive I it was into effing. it. 
effing. Yeah, I think with, it was effing. Yes. Yeah. Um. Whatever. <laughs> and then. By the uh, way, this wasn't like a. He said this, like during the party. That was like his comments to the press. Afterwards. That was no, 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 no. He didn't talk to the press afterwards because this was about Kalen. Okay. He he gave his statement before the workout yeah, yeah, to okay. announce he was going to work out. That's what he said. Mm-hmm. Um, he did not speak afterwards, but we'll get into it in the list and uh, get you ready for that Grizzlies Rockets game again tonight down at FedEx Forum. But let's start with a little buy sell shorter. Go to Reddit. It's that time on 92.9's Giannato and Jeffrey show where we either buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. All right, Jeffrey. Again, John Morant, Memphis Grizzly, Grizzlies focused, buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. The first one has to do with John Morant. Let's start big picture with John Morant, and then we'll go little little picture into tonight's game, okay? All right. Big picture, buy, sell, short, or go to Reddit. John Morant's play is the biggest story of the rest of this Grizzlies regular season. I want to buy this. Oh. I think it is clearly the biggest story because in the end, how far the Grizzlies go in the playoffs is going to be, I think, largely determined by how is Ja playing. Like We can talk about some of the other good things that have been happening. David Roddy, his emergence has been encouraging. Dylan's starting to shoot the basketball better. Jaron's offensive Jaren's offensive kind of explosion or kind of like taking over in the absence of John Morant. Ty is shooting the basketball better. These are all things that could help and could push them over, but all these things to me feel like things at the margin. In the end, much of this team's success is going to be completely defined by does Ja play well or not. And I don't know what to expect. My my gut says it will be like a lot of John Morant returns where it's going to take a second. He usually has a game or two where it's a little off. And it's not – It's you've never sat there and thought like, oh, he doesn't look right, even like when he's coming off of injury. But it's just like not finishing. Like rhythm is a little off. It takes a little bit, and then he gets going. Mm-hmm. This is the first time, though, that he's returning – in which there's clearly, like, more weighing on him than just playing basketball. And so... It's not just injury or... Well, like, I just think about... like, last year... I mean, remember last year, he was out for, like, nine, ten games at the end of the year and then only came back for one game of the last couple. He was the second to last. He played game 81, but not 82. Yeah, and then played in the playoffs, and, you know, it felt like it took him a minute... Because game to get one, going game against one, he wasn't the Timberwolves, but it took the whole team a minute to get going against the Timberwolves. But well, you, you can make the argument they never really got going except for that. Was it game game two they got going, and then like the fourth quarter of game six? Well, and then the, they, they remember the game comeback, three yeah. was the yeah that one too. But um, so so you're buying John Murray's play. So this is interesting because it, it brings up two secondary buy sell shorts or go to Reddit. With this, in my mind, one they're called derivatives and derivatives. Excuse me, two derivatives uh, off of that larger buy sell short Reddit. In that, it's it's cause for concern if John Morant struggles tonight. Because what you're saying is it's not. No, you would sell that. No, but if he struggles for three games, mm, there's eleven remaining left, and obviously, I guess standings might dictate, but. 
What would you say the over-under of number of games he's going to play in this last 11? Um, Eight and a half, maybe? Probably, right? I mean, let's see. It depends on how the schedule's mapped out here. I mean, they don't. They have a couple back-to-backs still left. Um, and so, like, does he play both back? Do you, don't you think, like, especially, like, they play a back-to-back um, Tuesday, Wednesday next week when they play Orlando and the Clippers at home, um, and then they play back-to-back next week, Trailblazers at home, Pelicans on the road. Excuse me, two weeks from now. Trailblazers at home, Pelicans on the road, April 4th and 5th. Um, feels like he'll sit one of those maybe, you know, maybe. Yeah, maybe. I, I depends still, Depends how the, the standings the big, are working out. I think the bigger out. question on that is exactly that. Yeah. I think it's where, where are they in the standings and whatnot. But let's say he plays. I think you're right, though. He's probably going to play eight, games. eight or nine games. Yeah. If he plays eight games and doesn't look great and – if he plays eight games and he just looks off in five of them, it's a little cause for concern. But, I mean, again, the only reason why I say that is this to me feels like the first, more times than not when he's been returning, it's mainly been returning from physical injury. Mm-hmm. This is, he's healthy. Yeah. But well, yesterday's, I don't know, the way he was talking yesterday you could see somebody that was clearly, like, mentally in turmoil. Yeah, well, and also, I, you know, I do wonder. Like, he's swarmed by a bunch of cameras. and he's oh, having to like terrible, he's a terrible having to, scene, he's like, having, in terms of, yeah. Yeah, he's having to try to, like, Setting, explain these complex, thi- you know, he's having to explain himself, essentially, to a bunch of, like, you know, this. It's just a, not a, in general, not conducive to, like, feeling comfortable, uh, the setting. Um, and, you know, I, my gut tells me the Grizzlies chose it to be that way. That wasn't by accident, just in terms of they didn't want this to, like, be like some long session with the media where the media was comfortable, if that makes sense. Yeah, I still think they should have moved it down to it the— It should have been at the normal at the press, press conference And, room, and but, you can keep the same format because I think— it would have been more comfortable for John Moran. Well, I think a bigger, but it issue, could have gone longer. If uh, you, if you know, if if people are in you, that setting, you were there. Mm-hmm. I'm just, I watched it. This was the impression that I got. I don't think anyone was trying to be ultra combative and rude. Mm-hmm. I think the setting, the fact that it was in a small confined area, everyone there's a, it's a massive group, a much bigger group than we've ever seen. I think it led to the trying to talk over and well, I, it's it's it's. There's no order to it in that he answers a question and then it's whoever asks first. Right. You know, and so you got – it's literally asking for people to talk over and, each other. And but what I, the reason why I bring that up is it lends itself to an aggressive nature when I don't think people there were trying to be aggressive. You were there, so you could tell me better. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's, that's where I get at the like, – you know, part of it, though, is like – I don't know. Like – I feel like people have tried to make this into a thing that it's not. Like, they've tried to make it a gun thing, an alcohol thing, uh, you know. Um, and and I just think it's it's a 23-year-old who, like, needed to grow up. 
and didn't realize just how costly all his mistakes are now, given what where he is in life, what he's what he's doing as a basketball player. Um, like I just felt, I just felt like it's been it's been conflated into something that it's not, and I don't think like it's not that serious. Like it's just like ultimately. Now that Ja appears to have taken it seriously, whether he like believes it, whether he's actually changed or not, whether he's gonna change or not, like he is clearly taking this seriously. You know what I mean? Like he he he's been separated from the team for two weeks. For essentially, you know, like like it, it, he pay, he's paid a heavy price. His his endorsement, you know, career is on hold for the moment. You know, like he's paid a heavy price yeah, no, and, for mistakes, and like I, I don't know, I, I, guess, I just don't think. I think the way it's being covered has been just again, it's like kind of missed the mark. It's tried to make it into something bigger than what it actually is. So, on the he's taking it serious front, I don't know if I can really definitively say one way or the other because I don't know to what degree he's trying to change. I do think it's fair to say this has clearly impacted him. And yes. he is he is showing that this has impacted him. I don't know, and, and honestly, I don't know how many people do know, quote-unquote, how seriously he's taking it. And for the record out there, I'm not saying that he's not taking it seriously. I just don't know. Mm-hmm. But I do think it is very obvious it has impacted him in ways that he didn't know. But I think it's kind of, I think the reason why it became... It kind of hit all the check marks for massive story, especially for media. Number one, guns. Yeah. We had the video, and it happened in that weird spot between the NCAA tournament has not started, Mm -hmm. and it was kind of, you know, it was slow news. And so it was a story with a mega star whose name resonates, and... It kind of it fit all the it fit all the it fit all the criteria for story that w- could keep going mm-hmm. because it was you know you had the video then you started having like the pictures the security footage whatnot and then it lends itself to this cultural discussion and you could just take it so many different directions. I think though the bigger I started wondering this. Would he have been better off just saying, I thought I was on my burner? Even if you don't, like, have a burner or whatnot. Like, if you go back to, we don't buy the, you know. I thought it was my Finsta. We don't buy the, I got hacked anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, whoever was in that sweet spot of getting caught tweeting or putting out something in, like, 2010 mm-hmm. that was distasteful. And 2010, we didn't really care. You could kind of be distasteful there. But like 2014, whoever the pioneer was, <laughs> whoever the pioneer was that said, I got hacked. You know, I, I got hacked. Like, your mom your mom caught bad websites on, Blair was in here last. Like, my brother was here. No, he still would have had to apologize. Like, if he, again, if he wants, like. But I agree with that. Would it have led, though? Would it have led to less serious coverage? Correct. 
Yeah, could have. Like, if he had said, like, you know, listen, I was goof, I was yeah, drunk, like, and I was goofing. Correct. You know, like, because like that's what I, that's my problem with the whole thing is it's been conflated into something. It's a twenty three year old acting like an idiot when he was drunk, and it's a twenty three year old who, like, yeah, had to grow, has to grow up, given the situation he's in, um, and can't, you know, can't act in the ways he has in some of these local incidents. Like, yeah, whether it's fair or not, like, that's the life you've chosen is you can't just show up anywhere now and, you know, intimidate a mall cop or even be near a scene or where someone volleyball. Player. Yeah. Where someone is like, you know, like you just can't do it. And I, I don't know. It's just, you know, I think it'll probably, you know, I think he's going to be on his best behavior the rest of the season and we'll see what happens in the future. Um, and whether this is just, I, I think this will be remembered as like a hiccup and not like the, like, oh man, like that was the beginning of the end, like for John Morant. Like, I just don't believe that is what we're watching right now. No, I, I think, I think that's fair. And I think it all goes back to the original question. It's the reason why I think the biggest remaining, the biggest remaining storyline is <clears throat> his level of play. Because for yeah. the Grizzlies to reach their ceiling, he has to be playing at a you, high level. You know, I said this yesterday. You know what would change his – I said something to these this effect yesterday, but, like, what's going to change people's opinion of him right now, like, immediately, is, like, if he led if, if the Grizzlies on a long playoff run. Like, if he if he takes the Grizzlies to the Western Conference Finals or something, or, or the final, whatever, like, it will be the start of the redemption story that we're all, like, anticipating here. Like, that's how he can – that's how he can start – to change all this. There's no like thing there's nothing he can say at this point. I think that's going to change anyone's mind about how they feel about the situation. He's he's done a decent enough job explaining himself. Like I, you know, I'm I felt like it I felt like he handled yesterday fine. You know, it wasn't perfect, but it also wasn't bad either. And I thought the Jalen Rose thing wasn't perfect, little scripted. But it was fine. It wasn't, you know, he didn't hurt himself with either of those things. Um, and now he's explained himself adequately, I think. And it's about moving on. But the only way people are going to really, truly move on is if you give them something different to talk about you, you know, to talk about with you. So my only fear is I agree with you on the deep playoff run. I almost wonder, though, does that deep playoff run have to be in the finals? Because here's what I'm envisioning. Let's say he leads them over too great. Like, he plays awesome mm-hmm. in the first round, awesome in the second round. And then let's say, like, the Nuggets beat him in six. Doesn't yeah. then just, doesn't it just then, we go, we don't, don't we go back and play the hits? Guess he wasn't fine in the West. Guess he wasn't fine in the West. Well, I think it depends who they go through to get there. You know, like, let's say they beat, like, Golden State and, um, you know, the Clippers to get there or something like that. Or Golden State and... Sacramento. Okay, let me let me throw this at you. What if in the first round he beats the Thunder, mm-hmm. and in the second round he beats the Kings? Yeah, that is a scenario. And then and then he you know I and, still think he let him you like he would have led him to the Western Conference Finals. That's pretty that that's I know, but I I don't think I don't think I I intellectually agree with you that that should that's the answer. I can just I just know how this works. To, to me, if he gets to the Western Conference Finals, like I think the fine in the West thing is 
you know, like, yeah, they lost, they lost, they, they would have lost to the number one seed. Like, I don't know. I just, I can already see it now. All the fine in the West comments getting re, replayed. Maybe he would have been fine in the West if he wasn't yeah, going to strip clubs exactly, all the time. Could have been the number one seed. And then also, you can't discount this. Draymond's going to go on the podcast. Yeah, but Draymond knows not to go after Ja that much. He, J- Draymond knows, Draymond, he may not vocalize it, but his actions show that he knows his place in the pecking order of the NBA. And Ja Moran is ahead of him in the pecking order of the NBA, and he knows it. It's what's so fascinating because— Like, just like with him and LeBron. Like, he knows. Like, he ain't going after— Like, he did that thing with LeBron in that one finals, and it screwed him over. He knows not to mess with LeBron. LeBron's in another stratosphere from him, and he knows his role, ultimately. He, like, he acts deferential to him, and I think he realized quickly the way he talks about Ja that, like, he's not on the same plane as Ja. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I've just found it very interesting that— because Draymond yet again, maybe we'll get into it on the list. Draymond yet again had another Grizzlies clip that he's, you know, he's not talking about a rivalry. Doesn't it strike you as interesting that the two Warriors that seem to engage the most mm-hmm. are Clay and Draymond? Yeah, the guys, the guy who's actually carrying that team doesn't like, and he talked about it a little bit last week. He just said it's not, you know, he said in one word, no, yeah. it's not a rivalry. But like other, but it was only when he was like he was prompted to say that. Correct. You know, he was asked. Correct. Do you think it's a rivalry? But he hasn't really engaged in it. Yeah. Steph. But it's Clay and Draymond, and I think it's interesting because I actually think Clay's playing clearly better this year than he was last year. Like mm-hmm. he seems to be better off. But it's weird. They're two guys that are kind of in this kind of in-between state, like maybe unclear state of their careers mm-hmm. of, you know, is it coming to an end, whatnot. And they're the ones that are being the most vocal about the Grizzlies. And yet, you know, you don't hear Steph say anything. The the wisest man alive, Steve Kerr, is not really commenting, but we haven't got to playoff time, so I don't know. Well, no, he, he wants Jaron and Bain on the, uh, the World Cup team this summer. Yeah, that's a good point. Like Wiggins, I guess I know Wiggins isn't really like a talker, but it's like none of the. It's just those two. It's really fascinating to me that those are the two guys. Well, and that's why, like, if they were to beat them in the playoffs, that'd be it. Even though the Warriors, you know, we we may look back and go, "Yep, the Warriors." Like, just that was when they finally didn't have it, and that very well could be what we're watching. but in the moment, it's going to feel like a huge playoff win if you were to get by them in the in the playoffs um, and very symbolic. But So back to the original buy, sell, sure to go to Reddit. John Morant's play is the biggest story of the rest of this Grizzlies regular season. Um, here's the other uh, derivative, if you will, because this is a sub-buy, sell, sure to go to Reddit here. Now that Jaws back, Jaron Jackson Jr.'s offensive emergence will continue. Because I think that's to me, I have no doubt Ja's gonna put up numbers when he comes back. Like he's John Morant. Like he's supremely gifted. He's been out he's been out for two two weeks. Not two months, not two years. Like two weeks. Like if anything, he's gonna be rested and focused. Eighteen days, fresh legs. Yeah. <laughs> like I have no doubt he is going to put up numbers and be some version of the awesome player that he has been his entire time in Memphis. My question is because I think the thing that takes the Grizzlies to a Western Conference final level 
if Jaron can play the way he's been playing offensively with Ja out of the lineup, with Ja on the floor, playing 35 minutes a game or whatever, 33, 35 minutes a game, that's what takes the Grizzlies to the Western Conference Finals and maybe more. That that's where the that's where the biggest jump in their play can be because the question I think there is a question of okay how does how do you maximize John Jaron together when if we're being honest they now they've played better together this year than any other year but by and large for a tandem they don't do a lot together on the court if that makes sense. You know, especially when Steven Adams is out there. They're not like, you know, Jaws running pick and rolls with Steven Adams. Um, and so, John, to me, John Morant's play is the biggest story. It's, it's to me, how do the other players who have stepped up without John Morant, Jaron, Tyus, Bain, how do they, Dylan, how do they fit in now that Jaws back? Because I do think even though it's only been two weeks, and so like Jaws' level of play, I don't think is going to suffer very much just because it was only a two-week layoff. I do think, though, it was a very significant two, three weeks for the Grizzlies in terms of them figuring out some things after that tough stretch through February and parts of January. Um, And so it's fitting those two things together, Ja being awesome and these kind of what I think were very um, notable, a very notable stretch of time for the Grizzlies to figure some things out rotation-wise and identity-wise and all those things, especially offensively, how they merge together to me is the biggest story of the Grizzlies' regular season. If there was a way to, like, push, buy, sell short, or push, I'd push this, I'd push this in another direction. But, um, but I'm still going to technically buy it. Because ultimately, it does involve John Morant's play. Um, it's just how his play fits in with all these other guys now. I'm going to buy it. And the biggest reason that I'm going to buy it is I think we all dream of we all dream of a day where Ja and Jaron can run this two-man game. Mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily, like, I just, I'm not convinced that that day's ever going to become where, you know, it's just going to be them two running a two-man game. Mm-hmm. Because I think when you look at it with Jaron, Jaron struggles offensively when it gets crowded. Mm-hmm. So, like, when you ask him, you know, he's not great at setting picks or whatnot, but, like, when it gets crowded, that's when he is, it's limiting to him. Where I think he's really good is when you give him the ball in space and he has options. If you want to let him shoot, he's willing to take the shot. And right now he's been shooting the basketball pretty well. Mm-hmm. But if you want to if you want to get up on him, he can blow right by you. Mm-hmm. If you look at kind of how he's been playing, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. And I don't I, I think he's pulled off a couple moves lately where you're like, whoa, I didn't know this was this was game ready yet. Like and, the spin moves and stuff like that. And in the end, it's not – while Ja is quote-unquote ball dominant, it's not like we see – Ja's not Russell Westbrook in terms of – Oh, no. Always like – Ja is a much more adept passer. He, he'll, he'll go off ball. Floor like, general, yeah. everything. I think what it really boils down to is 
are they still going to give him give Jaron opportunities? And I think the obvious answer is yes. Yeah, they were already starting to correct even when Ja was still in the lineup. But I mean, like you've noticed these past few games, it's like first play of the game has always been Jaron. And um, no, and I think there's probably ways to do it. Like to me, they, and they do it. Taylor did it with his rotation previously, but like it, I think now that Jaron especially has this confidence offensively, they need to make sure they're featuring Jaron, especially in those moments when Ja isn't on the court, like early second quarter. Yeah. Like Jaron needs to be playing then and needs to be given the ball a lot. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like and and you know, sort of beginning of the fourth. You know that needs to be Jaron's time now. Um, you know. That's that's a way to do it, I think, um, to help see you know help merge it together. Even though again they don't you know again they don't really necessarily play together. That it's not been perfect. It's not been a perfect symmetry. <clears throat> their two man game, so to speak. But um, it is uh, it's going to be an interesting few weeks for the Grizzlies. And it's well here's I, I do you like the fact that. We're gonna get to do this in a soft part portion of the schedule. Like this is a this is maybe right now the salt with two games against the Rockets, a game against the Magic coming up, you know, a game against a Portland team that it sounds like Lillard's not even gonna be playing for. Now well, two games two against, against Clippers the Clippers without Paul George. Without Paul George. Like you are literally gonna be able to do this against not great competition. Like teams you don't even have to play well against to beat, I don't think. I'm actually okay with it from the sense of, I don't know. I should say you don't have to play well for, like, the whole game. I, I know. I know. You got to have one one or one, one to one, like, one and a half quarters of good basketball should get the job done on a night like tonight. It's not a playoff test is your point, and, yeah. I, and I, I agree with you on those. I mean, when you really look at the schedule, the most fascinating games are those last three games, but those are going to be completely determined by – Where's everybody in the standings? Like, if you look at Pelicans, Bucks, Pelicans, Bucks, Thunder, like, those could be three tests. But who knows? You know what I mean? So, I'm I'm fine with it in this sense. Treat it like, treat it like preseason camp. Get every, figure out your rotations, figure out your roles. Because yeah, what do you think the rotation will look like tonight? It'll be, I mean, you have Ja coming back, Tyus going to the bench, does Conchar or Roddy or do both of them play? Because they are only playing nine guys. So you're starting. You're starting Ja. Yes. Yes. If he doesn't start Ja, I will criticize him tomorrow. Like it doesn't make doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. I to, guess I'm quote unquote fine with it in the early part because from a team. If you com- want, I like, guess the only way it can be justified is if like you're saying like from a symbolic standpoint because right. he violated rules. You know, team rules. He's got to earn his way back into the starting lineup. That's the only way I would not be critical. If you're say, saying like it's because of a minutes restriction right. or whatever, I, I I'd be like, this is ridiculous. You can enforce the minutes restriction with him playing with the people he's going to play with in the playoffs. If he doesn't start, I will not think that this is as dumb as it was when they were trying to bring Jaron back and they were just insisting on playing him with the second unit. That was dumb. <laughs> that 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 was straight. That was 
outthinking yourself. Yes. Like that that was a like, Well, it was Jaron had been out for a long time. Right, but that was also outthinking yourself. Yes. Yes. Like that was not putting your best players on the floor. And then more. in the playoffs they Correct. did start them, I believe. Correct. This I'm willing to accept is a different thing. With that said, if you're using this as a playoff prep, uh just starting in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be I mean, listen, I think, you know, tonight will be a, I don't know, will, will you remember, you think it'll be remembered as a good moment when he, you know, he gets that ovation and like, or will people just forget about this, you know, ultimately, even though it feels like a big moment in the moment? I suppose part of it's his reaction. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be very subdued. I think it's going to be like a, oh, that was nice. Yeah. But somewhat, I mean, it's not going to be forgettable because it's his first game back from a unforgettable, Trauma- from like fr- a traumatic experience, from an, from an unforgettable couple of weeks. Yeah. Um. But is it going to be like a touchstone moment of the year? My thoughts are no. No. Yeah, I actually think the touchstone moment out of all of it is going to be these two, three weeks the team played without him and how they. You know. Oh, I think the touchdown moment was going live on Instagram yeah. Live. <laughs> That's true. That's true. The image, yeah, yeah. the that, image that, of him grilled yes. up with the that with the yeah. That is the defining moment. If if they do a yearbook of this season, yes. and they don't win the NBA title, yes. The the front cover of the yearbook is the screenshot of John Morant from that night. Yes. If they win the NBA title, it's the back cover. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's certainly the event that will start the DVD. <laughs> yes, you flat. That's, yes. If they do a thirty for thirty, they'll like have the they'll they'll flash to that in the beginning and then build back up to it by the end. Uh, On know. the early morning of March the fourth, John ja Morant was supporting local business. <laughs> Female <laughs> Gilbert Arenas narrating. Yes, that would be great. <laughs> that would be awesome. Gilbert Arenas narrates the thirty for thirty. All right, let's take a quick break. Let's turn our attention to college basketball, NCAA tournament. We'll discuss all that with Cobb next right here on Giannotto and Jeffrey, 92.9. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. FM ESPN. 
Giannato and Jeffrey broadcast live from the Red River Toyota Studios. Check out Red River Toyota in Wynn, Arkansas. This hour of G&J is brought to you by the Next Generation 10G Network, only from Xfinity. The Giannato and Jeffrey Show on 92.9 FM ESPN. Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state that you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, you'll both receive a $50 bonus. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Tennessee only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. For problem gambling support, call the Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789. David Cobb covers college basketball, football for CBS Sports, former Grizzlies beat writer for the CA. He's on Twitter, at David W. Cobb. Cobb, you were the one that were that was preaching this FAU team's good. I think Memphis found out pretty quickly but did the result of the game even surprise you? Or the way the game played out, I should say, more than the result? Uh, not really. I mean, it wasn't hard to see a close game coming. I think what surprised me the most is the way it ended. In that Kendrick Davis, who's been this rock for you all year long, who's been so steady, such a great leader, just kind of made an inexplicable turnover down the stretch. And obviously there was the officiating mishap as well. Memphis probably should have been granted that timeout, but that was a theme on the first weekend. What we saw with Kendrick Davis, we also saw with, with Kihei Clark in a confounding turnover from a fifth-year senior. We also saw from Dewan yeah. Harris in Kansas, a veteran point guard who didn't get the ball across half court uh, and, and was called for a 10-second violation in a critical, critical moment for Kansas in their loss. So It's not as though Kendrick Davis is on the island out here or should be uh, the target of any scorn or, or, or whatever mistakes happen, turnovers happen. It's just, it's just you don't expect them maybe from your senior guards uh, in those key moments, and we've seen a lot of that uh, in this NCAA tournament. I guess that's probably what surprised me the most about what went down. Yeah, I, I, I will say I did not see Florida Atlantic outscoring Memphis in the paint coming. Um, it was a weird. That was just a weird game to be at, I, and and with the with the way it ended. And what you now see could have been coming out of the weekend where, you know, you would have had number 16 seed FDU in the round of 32. You would have been a heavy favorite in that game. And then you could have possibly set up a matchup with Tennessee at Madison Square Garden. Um, I do think it complicates how this season is remembered. I've come down along the lines of I think the program ultimately made progress this year. But the way you will remember the season is how it ended, unfortunately, um, because of how close you were to it being a special season. I- I'm curious when you look at this season in totality and know, you know, knowing what this Memphis program is and wants to be. Where do you, how do you classify, or how would you rate how this season went for Memphis basketball? Now that we know it in totality, everything, all the good and bad. Yeah, I think there's one thing left to be determined on that, and it's how far Houston goes. <laughs> if Houston goes and wins the national title, you can reflect on that AAC tournament championship game victory a little more fondly than if Houston gets eliminated 
in the Sweet 16 because you can say we beat the number one team for the first time in program history, and they went on to, to win the national title. Uh, it was their only loss in a what it would be a six-week span or something, maybe even closer to two months. Whatever that, that Temple a, game was, I don't. That was like it felt like it was like January or February. Right, exactly. That could be that could be a, a better way to look at it, but it is disappointing in the totality when you think about five years into the Penny Hardaway era. Yeah, you've got five 20 win seasons, and that's certainly acceptable and certainly meets the standard. But you don't have anything beyond the first weekend of the NCAA tournament at this point, and the the, the path was so open to you. A 16 seed awaiting in the second round, as you mentioned, Tennessee awaiting in Madison Square Garden. All that sort of missed opportunity, I think, dilutes the accomplishment of an AAC tournament a, a decent amount. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, the way I've kind of been thinking about it is what, what, what letter grade would I give Penny Hardaway in the Memphis program, you know, five years in? And I keep coming back to, to something around C plus or, or B minus just due to the lack of, of uh, NCAA tournament success. I think I'd go B. I think I go yeah, with B. Yeah, it, I'm somewhere like yeah, solid eighty. Gentleman's eighty-five. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. I used to have this one English teacher that I was convinced that he didn't read a word I ever wrote, and he just would give me an eighty-five. He's like, he's not the smartest, he's not the dumbest. Let's just give him an eighty-five and move on. But some of us on this show graduated college with a solid B average. I mean, I <laughs> nothing I, wrong with that. I kind of hear you, cop. I guess the way that I looked at it was, I felt like. The disappointing end beyond the players, you know, DeAndre Kendrick, like that—that that was presumably their last shot. I felt like the biggest missed opportunity there was for Penny Hardaway, because the way that it broke out, like you're talking about a Sweet 16, back-to-back tournaments, potentially an Elite Eight. But you know, I mean, there's you look at you look at the East, you know. That's that's the bracket you want to be in right now if you're trying to if you're trying to advance to a final four from a higher seed. I felt like it was a missed chance for him to he largely silenced a lot of the the doubt this year just because they were consistent and it seems like they're making progress. But it basically if you would have made back-to-back tournaments, had a second weekend, kind of all the criticism at that point, it would have helped you win the argument more emphatically and I felt like that was the missed opportunity. Yeah, so the other element of it as well is it's a different feeling if Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams are sophomores or if they are juniors. But they carried Memphis basketball, especially in the AAC tournament. And this it was your last chance with them. Now you look ahead to next season, I see something like what, correct me if I'm wrong, but what is it, seven? Yeah, they're not all going to get here. But, yes, there's there's going to be like probably – Five freshmen coming in this year. Four or five right. freshmen. So that's to me the the scary part. It feels like you're you're kind of staring over the edge of a cliff here as Houston leaves the AAC, as DeAndre and Kendrick depart the roster, and as you bring in so many fresh faces and that urgency that that we've talked about on this show all year long to win in November and December only increases next year with a freshman oriented roster and an AAC that doesn't have the insurance policy of, of a February win over Houston. So yeah. that to me is why this feels scary from the Memphis perspective, is because that nucleus and that core isn't returning, and you had a, a wide-open pass. So it, it will be Penny's best coaching job yet, 
next season if he can get them back to the NCAA tournament uh, under those circumstances. And then in that yeah. case, you go you go three years in a row with different types of rosters and different types of leagues, and you know the, then you, you feel great. But but as it is now, I just feel a little uncertain. Yeah, no, it's a it's an interesting perspective on it all. I hear you. I don't know. Of all, the, I've said this. I think basically since like the second year. I think there are concerns that maybe get overlooked with Penny Hardaway. I just never am that worried about the roster. Yeah, okay, guys. The roster always seems to be like you can maybe worry about whether or not the roster fits and mm-hmm. whatnot and like chemistry issues. He usually figures well, out a way to he gets get, ta- he knows how to get talent. I mean, sometimes it feels like. You know, some of his teams have, you know, he lacks certain things. Like, you know, this year's team, it felt like lacked a knockdown shooter. Um, there were circumstances that explain that. Other teams, it felt like, you know, lacked a, tr- a good point guard. You know, he took care of that this year. This year, it felt like he lacked, like, a, a really quality big man to put next to DeAndre Williams. They had to rely, you know, sure. on Malcolm more than probably they wanted to. And Malcolm got hurt, yeah. Yeah, when he was, even when he was healthy, though, yeah. I think they had to rely, you know, ultimately because KO didn't work yeah. out. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he puts it all together uh, this offseason because I think that, honestly, the next step for this program and given the conference they're in, like, they are going to have to become a team. If they want to get out of, like, being an 8 or a 9 seed, they're going to have to become a team that goes, like, 27-4. and four. They're going to have to have Florida Atlantic's record with a tough non-conference schedule. Like, that's that, to me, in the league they're in, that's the only path to getting out of this 8-9 stuff. You can't lose seven or eight games. You just can't. Cobb, see if you buy this, because I'd mention to Mark, if you're someone that gambles, you largely don't pay much attention to the top 25 because there's nothing like, you know, when you see a, a ranked team versus an unranked team that's a underdog, like, you, you just realize, like, okay, whatever. I do think it's going to be, I think it's going to be paramount for Memphis in this new league. They're going to have to figure out a way to get in the top 25 and stay in the top 25 because I think what's crystallized for me about the about the selection committee, they pay attention. The top eight teams were all one through eight in the AP poll. And like when you consistently see teams, you're like, how did that team get this seed? It's like, well, they were ranked for most of the year. Like I think that's going to be – part of the equation beyond just running up the impressive record. Yeah, it, it's interesting when you think about the fact that Memphis was – they didn't get ranked until the very end of the season this year. Yes. Am I right on that? It yeah. Was, yeah. Their, their only time ranked was the final week of the season. Technically, it, they're still right. ranked. Technically, they're right. still ranked. Yeah, the final – but I, honestly, you could make the case. They would have been better off beating Houston, I think, in – at Memphis to close the regular season because I think it would have been an extra week because, you know, yeah. when they interviewed, what's the AD's name at Bradley that's the, that was head of the committee? Yeah, Chris Reynolds. Yes. When they interviewed him, like, he, like, largely admitted, hey, man, like, half the bracket is set when this like this week. And so I almost think, like, it would have helped them move up a seed line. But, again, it still doesn't even, even if you would have been a seven seed, you still had the best possible scenario. You had to beat FAU as a nine. And then you got to play a 16 seed. I don't know in the history of Memphis basketball, as long as I'm alive, if they'll ever have another opportunity to beat a 16 to go to the Sweet 16. Yeah. Oh, and even though uh, you talk about FAU, but even with their gaudy 31 and three record or, or whatever it is now, uh, they were still in the eight nine yeah. slot, and, and that's the type of league. I mean, literally, FAU is going to be in Memphis's league, 
And that's the type of league that the AAC is going to be. Maybe I'm, I'm op- cautiously optimistic about uh, the Wichita State hire. Like Paul Mills is, is a big-time winner from Oral Roberts off yeah. that surprisingly productive Scott Drew tree. So maybe Wichita State can get back. North Texas is coming in, right? And Grant McCaslin hasn't been hired anywhere else yet. Yeah, it sounds like he might be getting the Texas Tech job, though. He could be because they're still playing, which would make sense as to why you know he wouldn't have been announced. And then you know maybe Dusty May doesn't get plucked off. I think some some ads are waiting to see if, if Dusty May can can do it again before yeah. they take a chance on him. So maybe there's a chance that next year there is a decent uh, top four in the AAC. Uh, but you're also adding – you're going to have to play two games against UTSA, who's like just dog crap. Tulsa I, is in I, a terrible spot right now. I'm just with Cobb. Like USF is starting over again. This league is going to resemble Conference USA more than it's going to resemble the American this year. Yeah. yeah. you got to be a Wichita State fan because they're, they're kind of that, that diamond uh, in the rough there, that sleeping giant, if you will who could uh, emerge and awaken and, and sort of help your all of your metrics and make every conference game more meaningful. So, so I mean, if you're Memphis, you got to root for Wichita State in the non-con. you got to root for uh, FAU, for North Texas, and then, you know, put together a really solid campaign yourself. So I'm really curious to see. I mean, I've started turning my attention to the portal. I just did my first portal rankings. It's not Ooh. all that impressive what's in there yet. Yeah. Um, Honestly, it's not, uh, but it, w- it will continue. There will be dozens, hundreds more names in there over the next however many weeks. And, you know, last year I had Kendrick Davis ranked as the number one transfer. Memphis got that guy, and he was a huge difference maker for him. And, and I stand by that. Like, to this day, I would say, you know what, I got that one right. Like, Kendrick Davis was the mm-hmm. number one uh, transfer in college basketball. So, yeah, Can you get an elite transfer like that this year? I don't know, because I think Memphis, even though, as you mentioned, they're going to have more freshmen than they did last year. Like I think with the how senior-laden this team was and, frankly, how Penny has shown he is willing to. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates – Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 